0: Amen. Enough of that. Here we go. Isaiah 28, Isaiah 28 and verse 13, Isaiah 28 and verse 13. When you have it, just shout, I got it. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Somebody say the word of the Lord is line upon line, amen. Uh, Tonight I'm going to continue my series I started uh, last week on placement, placement. Can we pray together right now? Lord, we love you so much. And we are so thankful to be in your presence. We ask you now that you would speak your word forward. Let it touch our spirits. Let it mold us and make us. Let it mature us as we grow in you. I pray it now in the name of Jesus. And the church said amen. 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 You may be seated in Jesus' name. Uh, Last week, I want to just recap very quickly here. And I'm not going to hold us long tonight. But I want to recap very quickly here on some things, some points that I made last week that I feel are it to go back and make again. Last week I read from Genesis chapter 1, and the point I made in Genesis chapter 1 is that everything had its place, that the heavens and the waters and the firmament and the earth and the birds and the fish and the trees and the grass and the, the even when God made man, he had a place for them, that everything had a place. Place. Look at your neighbor and tell them, everything has a place. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, the greatest detriment to them is that they lost their place. They had a place, and when they sinned against God, they lost that place. And all through the word of God, we will see that the place has a Very valuable lesson that God looks at Abraham and says, move from this place to the place where I show you. And he left his father and left his heritage and left his history and he found a place that God had prepared for him. And even when God spoke to Abraham to give him Isaac, he said, go and I will show you a place And the Bible says that when Abraham came to that place, that it was in that place that God said, this is where you will sacrifice Isaac. That God is very strategic, that everything has a place. And when we get things in our life out of place, we throw everything, we throw everything out of sync when things are out of place. I talked last week a little bit about the game of chess. This is one of the first games that I learned as a child. My father is a very avid chess player, loves to play chess, has many different chess boards, has wood ones, has gold ones, has crystal chess board, has all kinds. Every, from countries that he's, he has visited and ministered in, he'll get a chess board. That's kind of his thing. And he has a lot of really cool chess boards, and he loves to play chess. And when you play the game of chess, it's all about placement. And a good chess player can can think two, three, four moves ahead of time, knowing where the places are and where his pieces are and where the opponent's pieces can potentially be. And if you're good at placement, you can be good at chess. But every piece on that chessboard has different ways of movement. Nothing moves the same. Everything has its own way of movement. A pawn can move forward. But it can only attack diagonally. A a bishop can only move diagonally. A a knight can only move in the shape of an L. Two forward, two to the side, three forward, one to the side. It can only move in the shape of an L. The rook can only move forwards and backwards. The queen can go wherever she wants to go. Isn't that... (laughs) I made that point last week and I'll make it again. Queen can do whatever she wants to do. She has no. She can go diagonally, front, back doesn't matter. The king can go wherever he wants to go, but only one spot at a time. Only one time. Only one spot. The entire game is to capture the king. It's entire game, and it's all about placement. And what I drew, what I drew attention to last week is that many of us are. We have. Things in our life, and we have them out of place. We also are, we have given value to pieces that don't move in that way. We are moving things that do not have that type of movement in our life. And we place things into places where they do not belong. And because of that, everything on the board is messed up. We have given power to pieces that don't have power. We have given value to pieces that hold no value. We have made pawns queens. And we have made bishops kings. And the board is out of weight. The board is messed up. And the opponent sitting across from us is most likely, most of the time, us. Because we know our every move. And the only person in this room that you can be completely honest with is you. And this is the point, the biggest point that I made last week. This is the biggest point that I made last week. And it was the point that I wanted to drive home. But it was the one that I said, if you're taking notes, this is the one that you take and you write it down and you never forget it. And that point is, God is not a piece. He's not a piece to be moved around. He's not a piece to be emotionally connected to and just, I can move God here, I can move God there, and if God fits in, I'll fit him in here, and I'll fit him in there. God is not a piece on your chessboard. God is the board. He, are, he is the squares that never move. He is the borders that are always the same. You can do whatever you want to do, but you cannot change the form of the board. You can move whatever you want to move, but you'll never change the board. The board is the exact same squares as it was the day it was invented. It is the exact same measurements that it was when it was invented. There is no chess game where there's a different set of rules for me or for you. We all are bound by the same amount of squares. We are all bound by the same amount of measurements. We are all bound by the same amount of borders. That I don't have a special board and because I'm a minister. And you don't have a special board because you may be a saint. And I don't have a special board because I'm a preacher. And then now you get a special board because you're not a preacher. That's not how this works. I am just as liable for my walk with God as you are. God is not a piece to be moved around in our emotional moments. He is not a piece to say, well, I don't feel like it today, so I'll scoop God over. You can't scoop God over. You can't, you can't say, well, I'll move God back or I'll move him forward. You don't move God. You don't, you don't balance God. He's not a, He's not a, a weight that we put on the scale. He is the scale. If this was a universe, God would be the sun, and everything in my life would be orbiting around Him. Everything in my life would be moving around Him, and I would never allow God to move around me, move around my schedule, move around my timing. That I don't feel like it tonight, God, so I'm not going to praise you, and I'm I'm tired, and so I'm not going to go, and that and 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 you know what, I'm broke, so I'm not going to give, and. And we move God around on our board as if he's a piece when he is not a piece. We're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. We are fooling ourselves. And you say, well, should not God be the king? No, God's the board. You're the king. And the game has always been trap you. The game has always been to put you in checkmate. That the enemy wants to give you no more options. He wants to take away complete control of movement complete control of agility and ability. He wants to take away your ministry and your anointing He'll take your life last But he'll take your spiritual life first And so where do we place things in our life? Where if I know that the board is not moving and I know that God is not optional that Whether whether I admit his existence or not, he is there, and all things flow in this square. That I can get outside of my mental box, I can get outside of my cultural box, I can even get outside of my religious box, but I'll never get outside of God's box. That's right. That's right. That's right. You can't. People say, "Well, you you know, we got we got to get out of the box." There's a lot of boxes I can get out of, but I can't get outside of God's box. His word is line upon line, precept upon precept. It's not moving. It's not changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The things that God loved, he loves. The things that God hated, he hates. Let me say it again. The things that God loved, he loves. And the things that he hated, he hates. He's never changed. He didn't change his mind. We've changed. We've adjusted. But God makes no adjustments. He said, I got every precept. I got every line. And even if you want to be gray, I'm here a little and there a little. That there's no way I can move outside. He's in. This square, and he's in that square, and he's even on the line in between the squares, is what he's saying. There's no place on the board you can move where you can hide from him. Who can hide from God? For the eyes of God are everywhere. And God is not optional for us. It's not, I don't pick and choose what I want from God. I can't take this Bible and pick and choose what I want out of it. That's, that's called secularism. That's called humanism. That I would take the word of God and only take from it what made me feel good. That I would take the word of God and only take from it what fit into my plan. I would take the word of God and I would manipulate it to make sure that it fit into my thought processes. If you take a slice of this bun, you have to take the whole bun. You you, you can't pick and choose because God is not a piece that we move around on the board. He is... The unmoving parameters of life. And so where I place things in my life matters. I want to talk about tonight, I want to begin talking about the four placements in our life. That we put things in places for reasons. And the first thing I want to talk about tonight is the place of acquisition. The place of acquisition, the place of getting. That I have put this thing in my life only for the sole purpose of what putting it here gives me. Let me say this again, so because I, 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 I want everybody to understand where I'm going here, is that when I put when I put things in places, there is the place of acquisition where I have placed this thing in my life. Because, only because of what I will get out of it. What is it giving me? This is a place of selfishness. Now, now, let me say this. There are many things in our life that we place into acquisition, to this place of acquisition, because we we need to receive from them. I mean... If I'm working my job, I understand that I'm working my job. I'm working the hours a day for the value of those hours. And an employer or a a contractor, whoever it is, is paying me to do that work. So this isn't a place of acquisition in my life. And because of what I get out of it. The problem with this is many of us don't understand that the place of acquisition is only for certain things, and not for everything. We we live in a society today that has literally put everything in acquisition place. But I'll, every relationship I have is solely based on what I can get out of their relationship. Everything that I do for people in my life, I solely do it for what I get out of it. If we are not careful the place of acquisition in our life will turn into a place of narcissism where it's all about what I get. Mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much y'all are going to let me preach tonight or y'all are just going to look at me like I'm crazy. The acquisition place in our life, if we're not careful, we'll, we will put things in the acquisition place that don't belong there. That I'm doing this not because of what I get out of it, but I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do. Whether I get anything out of it or not doesn't matter to me. I'm doing this because I know it's the right thing to do. And whether it feeds my ego or whether it doesn't feed my ego does not qualify whether I do this thing or not do this thing. And we have placed a lot of things in our life, especially in this culture, into the acquisition place. And it's totally about what I can get out of it. How many likes I can get. How many friends I can get. How much popularity I can get. How much money I can get. How much power I can get. How much position I can get. Do I need to go any further? Can I keep on going? How much entertainment I can get. How much pleasure I can get. It's all about, there is an acquisition place in our life, that there are some things that we put in that place because it, you know, like I, I was saying before, like a job or, or, or even, even a, a career, it's, it, it's, it's going to give to me so that I can do other things, and so it is in the acquisition place, but everything cannot go into the acquisition place. There are things in our life that we have to do to get back something from it. But everything in my life doesn't. I'm going to do this thing whether it makes people like me or not like me. You see, when we start putting God in the acquisition place. And we don't get what we think we should get out of God. We become bitter. And we feel like God owes us. Because I've been living for God. I've been paying my tithe, I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been. So God, God don't owe you nothing. And we've put God in the acquisition place solely out of what we can get out of it. We've put, we've put our belief system in an acquisition place. And if what I believe doesn't feed me and feed my ego and feed my life and feed what I feel like it should feed. And when the pastor says something that I like, ooh, I like that pastor. Feed that to me. But when he says something that goes against my flesh, I don't want that. You have put your religion in acquisition mode. And it isn't about how you are being saved, but it's about how you are being, how, how your ears are being tickled and your spirit is being, it's all, it's all this getting, all this getting, all this, that's why, that's why the song of Solomon, and, 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 and Solomon, the wisest king of all time said, with all your getting, get understanding, all this getting, you need to get understanding, and understand that everything cannot be in the acquisition place, that there are some things in my life that I will do that will benefit me, nothing, Now, here's the thing. The problem with this generation is, and I'm talking about everybody in the room, if you're alive, I'm talking about this generation. The problem with us is, is that we want immediate results when a lot of things in our life don't bring immediate results. Over a period of time, I will see that this decision was good for me, that this choice was right for me, even though in the moment I didn't get what I thought I should get. I didn't, you know, some of the best choices that you'll make in life will have no immediate effect on you. Let me say that again. Some of the best choices you make in life will have no immediate effect on you. The only way you can see that that choice was a good choice is years down the road when you have a family and you have children or you're the boss or you're the leader. Or you have a place of ministry. And you have, you have influence. You'll realize, okay, those choices I made in the moment, they did not feel, I, I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of them, but they were. And that's why a lot of us struggle to make good choices because good choices don't feel good. Oh, let me say it again. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Good choices don't feel good. They just are good. And people who live in the acquisition mode, people who live in the acquisition mode are really, really connected to how they feel. Now, I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but they're really, really connected to what it brings to me. And people, you know, a lot of people talk about generational curses, but I don't really believe in generational curses. I believe in generational choices. Say that again. I don't, I don't really see in the word of God where there's a big story about generational curses. I don't really see that in the word of God. But what I do see is that people made choices here that affected people over here. And affected this generation and that generation. It was just a choice. They decided to not do this. They decided to not go to church. They decided to not have a walk with God. They decided to not do this. They decided to not have this in their life. And that choice... Years down the road, no longer feels like a choice, it feels like a curse. Do not let your choice of today be your family's curse of tomorrow. Can I preach right there for a little bit? We call it generational curses because it feels like a curse now. Listen, your bad choice may feel good to you today, but it may be a curse for the next generation. My goodness, I wish I had some help right there. When you play something in acquisition mode and you place something in the acquisition place in your life and you put it in that place that this is I'm doing this because of what I can get out of it. You're setting yourself up for failure. The second place is the place of recognition. I'm only doing this to be seen. Recognition is a place of power and position. I'm only doing this because of what kind of power, what kind of position, what kind of popularity, what kind of fame it's going to bring me. Recognition. Now, if you don't see this place in this society, then you are under a bus or under a rock somewhere. Because so many people in this society, they live in this place. Everything they do in their life is because, it's just out of recognition. They just want to be recognized. Recognize me for this thing I did. Recognize me for this good deed I did. Recognize me for my the, the giftings that I have. Recognize my giftings. Recognize my power. Recon- the gift will make room for itself. And bring you before mighty men. Thank all three of those people that clapped. I, I appreciate you. We, we We live in a society where there is such a thin line now between God promotion and self promotion. Such a thin line, yes, and it's so easy to play that line. You know, when I was growing up, there wasn't a YouTube or a, or an Instagram. Thank God, because I probably would, I, I was an idiot enough to use that stuff to try to make myself look good. And 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 I love those are tools, and those tools have a place. Just be careful what place you put them in. They have a place. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to, to, to badmouth or bash social media. Because this church uses social media every day of every week to let this community know that we are here, that we are available, that we have power, that our services are awesome we but but this church also knows what place that has that we know there ain't no revival coming through that social media not a lick not a bit the power of god ain't coming through that website it's only going to come through people who are praying people who are fasting we we know the place it has amen it has a place and we have used those things on a personal level to grow recognition with no character. Because we put them in the wrong place. And people will gain power. And people will gain the influence. Twitter is the only place that unqualified people have a say. You are unqualified, you got the only corn you got in your crib, baby, is candy corn. Oh, yeah. But you got something to say. Yeah, right. It's the only platform that we're able to do that. Any, anywhere in life, you couldn't do that. You cannot walk up into Apple today and go, I don't like this. I don't like that. They will escort you out. <laughs> but you have a platform to say it from. Yeah, yeah. With no qualifications, you can say yeah. it. And so we have what we call keyboard commandos. Trolling, just trolling. I know it all. And I know this. I know that. You don't know anything. You got no credentials at all. The place that you are in is a place of recognition. You want to be recognized. And it's a place. It's a place. I want to be recognized but i want to be recognized for my character and not just my content i want to be recognized for my content i want to be recognized because it's not only that i'm a persona but i'm also i'm also touchable and attainable and approachable because i know folks who look real good on the ground, but they got no character, none zero zilch, and they 're not attainable or approachable it's a persona it's recognition it's a place we've put it in a place, and it 's the wrong place there i I understand what recognition is and 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 i I get recognition. I understand that th- this is a real place in our life, that, that, that there are some things in our life that need to be placed in this place. I want to be recognized for, um, as a man of God. I want to be recognized as a voice in this generation that has something good to say and positive to say and uplifting to say. I want to have that recognition. Here's, what I, here's the place that it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a snare for all of us. Is that my recognition is the only thing that I'm going for? Is that as long as I'm getting recognition, I feel good. And as long as the recognition's flowing in, I'm gonna keep on doing it. And as long as the recognition's flowing in, I'm focused. But as soon as I feel like I'm not being recognized, I back off. I don't wanna do it anymore. I don't care about it anymore. Well, why was you doing it in the first place? Yeah. Because if it was really God, you would keep on doing it when nobody knows you're doing it. If it, was really, here's, here's, if it was really your passion, you would do it when nobody looked at you. If it was really your calling, you would just do it whether people know it was you or not. Whether you got the recognition or not, you would just do it anyway because it was the right thing to do. Not because of what you got out of it and not because of how you were recognized for it. Hallelujah. You say, well, I, I got a call of God on my life and I, well, oh, that's awesome, that's awesome. You know, well, what do I we do? Well, I feel like I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell these people this and I'm going to tell these people that. And I'm, well, okay. You know, what if you can't do that for a while? Well, I... You know, I'm just, I just don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I, you know, I'm, if it was really a calling, if it was really a, if it was really something God had called and something you was passionate about, you would do it before you got the recognition and you would do it after you got the recognition. You would just be doing it. You'd be doing it whether you was getting paid or not getting paid, getting all the accolades or not getting the accolades. If it was really God. It was really God. It was really what you wanted to do for God. Here's the deal. The gift will make room for itself. I'll say it again. And bring you before mighty men. I tell tell young, listen, I tell young ministers this all the time because everywhere I go, somebody's got a question. And Pastor John's been with me at a lot of conferences, a lot of different conferences. And people come to me all the time, they got questions, you know, you're going to be doing this, going to be doing that. They got young ministers want to meet me for coffee and talk to me and they all, you know, how did you get here? What happened? How'd you do it? But what they, they they want to hear about now. They don't want to hear about then. You know, they think it's like, well, man, here's what I did. I called this guy and I called that guy and I made this connection and I went and sit down in this guy's office. I didn't know nobody. I didn't know anything. And nobody knew me. I was leading worship in my dad's church. When people started recognizing who I was and saying, hey, could you come do this and come do that? And for six years, my dad told me, no. No, you can't go. Six years. For those of y'all sitting in this room who've been waiting for me to tell you you that you can go. Imagine me waiting six years to tell you yes. Some of y'all can't even, you're scratching the back of your neck because it's been six months. (laughs) I waited six years. Six years. And I'm not talking about, hey, I'm talking about people calling, saying, hey, can you come do this conference? Can you come? We will pay you. We'll fly you in. Come do this. Come do that. And my dad said, no. Glory to God. You know what I did? Showed up to church on Sunday and did my job. Hey, did I have a bad spirit sometimes? Absolutely. But I showed up. Was I bitter sometimes? You better believe it, baby. But I showed up. And I forced a smile. And I worshiped God like I was on the big stage. And nobody knew me. No YouTube. It didn't exist. Imagine that. No Facebook. No Instagram. It didn't exist. Nobody knew me. And my dad would have a conference, and people would come to the conference, and I'd be worship at the conference. They'd be saying, my God, my wife remembers this. My God, you got to come do this. Man, we got to get you, get you, get you. And I'd be like, Dad, can I Dad?" No. <laughs> and my wife would have to hear it for a month or two months, driving back and forth to the church. I can't believe it. Oh. oh, woe is me. But when I got to that building, I got a job to do. I got something, because I was passionate about it. I was passionate about it. And you know what I didn't do? Run to every minister in my church. I'm like, My dad won't let me go. And, rah, 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 rah. and run my pastor down. I just showed up and put a smile on my face. And if anybody heard the bass out of it, it was her. And she was always like, baby. Now you know. Thank God for a good wife. Who will remind you. This ain't... Remember, Court. this was about God. I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> now, these young ministers that come to me at conferences and want to know all about how I got here, they don't want to hear that. No. No. Can you hear no for six years continuously, straight? Because if you can do that, maybe you could have a ministry, maybe so. If you could just sit where you knew you were underappreciated, undervalued, and unpaid, (laughs) and just be committed to a local vision, I just don't know if God's going to use you, but I had some things wrong at that time of my life. You know what I did? I had some things in the recognition place that didn't need to be there. And you know, when God dealt with me is when I was in Iraq and I was praying, God, show me who you sit. God, show me. And the Lord said, you I said me. I'm saved. me. I'm good. I'm I'm an evangelist. I'm me. I was like, yeah, you, Your rotten attitude. I want this is what God told me. God told me in that in that little hooch on my knees, my face on that little dirty floor. God told me this. God said, "Core, I want to use you, but I can't use you like this. And, and I had some things out of place. My heart wasn't right. And because I was able to do it without recognition, God gave me what I didn't ask for. Here's the deal. If you want acquisition and you want recognition, if God puts those things in your life, no man can take them away. But if you put those things in your life, they rise and fall with the the signs of the times. They rise and they fall. When someone does you wrong, you quit. When it doesn't go your way, you step out. When it doesn't happen like you thought it should happen, when you don't get what you thought you should get, and when you don't see what you thought you should see, you'll back up and you'll quit ministry, and you'll back away and say, I'm done, I'm out because I didn't get it. I did that and nobody saw it. If I could tell you how many things I've done that nobody recognized, it'd blow your mind. But it was always about passion. It was always about a calling. And I knew that God would do what he said he would do if I would do what I knew that I needed to do. Recognition will come. It will come. But if the only reason you praise is so you can have praise. then you're praising wrong. And if the only reason you work is so you can get work. Your work is in vain. And if the only reason you love is so you can be loved. Your love is in vain. And the only reason you give is so you can get. Your giving is in vain. And the only reason you want to stand in the spotlight is so you can hog it. Here's the deal. No flesh will glory in his presence. So if you are reveling in the moment and you are like, look at me. Here's one thing you can guarantee. God is not there with you. I'll say that again for those who let me just. Put this into perspective and then I'm going to be done for tonight. I got two more, but I don't have time tonight. If you are receiving the glory, here's what you need to know. God is not in that place with you because he will not share his glory with another. So if you are getting all the glory, here's what you need to know. God is not sharing that space with you now because he won't share it with you. And there's no way that you could take his glory. But he'll take it. He'll take his glory and give it to another. And you might still have the talent but not have the glory. You might still have the ability but not have the anointing. I know people that can sing real good but nothing happens when they sing. Except for maybe some wows. But very rarely you get a woe. I felt that. That comes with a private relationship with God. A private walk. This is what Jesus said about recognition. This is what Jesus said about recognition. He said, when you pray, don't pray here in the streets. Beat your chest and say, woe is me! So everybody can hear you. He said, but when you pray, go to your closet and close the door behind you. And in private... This is how God feels about recognition. This is how he feels about it. He said in private, the father will hear you. And he will reward thee openly for what you do in private. And the only reason some folks never get recognition is because they have no private prayer life. No private praise life. No private Devotion time. Show me, show me your notebook. Show me what it looks like. Is there anything written down in it? Or is it just cool sitting on top of your Bible? Does it make you look good? Or have you put down some words in here that no man can take from you? What have you done privately? Because here's the deal. When God recognizes you, everybody will recognize you. Saul said, I'm vexed by devils. Read it in 1 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. Saul said, I'm vexed by devils. They said, Saul, here's what you need. You need a man who can come and play. And when he plays, the demons will flee from you. And Saul said, is there such a man in all of Israel? And here's what the Bible says. One of Saul's servants. Don't even give give him a name. One of Saul's servants. And just for your information, this is before David killed Goliath. This is between David being anointed and David killing Goliath in chapter 11 of 1 Samuel in your Bible. Before that, before anybody knew David, before David was the most recognizable face in Israel, before David had more recognition Than any human in the country of Israel. One of Saul's servants said. I know such a man. He is cunning. A player of music. He has a beautiful heart. And he is a man of war. And Saul said. Go get him for me. And they went and got David. And David played for Saul. Before he ever killed a giant. Now how. How. Did this servant of Saul know. That David. Was a player of an instrument. A songwriter. And a mighty man of war. How did he even know who David was. The Bible said David was on the back side of the desert. Watching his father's sheep. The Bible says that David didn't even get invited to the meeting. But who was this person. Who was this servant of Saul. Who knew something about David. Here's the deal. What you think is not recognizable by people sometimes is recognizable by God. And when the time is right, God will put you in the right place, in the right position, and give you the adequate power that matches your character. I wish I had some help right here tonight. God knows exactly who you are. God knows the calling that is on your life. God knows every time you pray. He knows every time you do something for somebody who can't do it back to you. He knows every time you have a word for somebody, but you hold it and you tell a man of God. He knows every time, every time you feel the power of God in you, but you are power under strength. He knows every time you submit. Every time. And when the time is right and the king says, Give me somebody. When the king says, I need a man. I know somebody. He, 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 he's a nobody. From a little town called Spring Lake, the armpit of North Carolina. Desmond knows he's to live there. He, he knows what I'm talking about. It is a podunk town. In the middle, the only thing that makes Spring Lake anything is Fort Bragg. And it's like Fayetteville is the nice military town and Spring Lake is the criminal (laughs) military town. God says, there's a little boy down there who is cunning, who is a man of war. And when nobody was watching, he was taking care of his father's sheep. When nobody was taking note, he was being submitted to a man of God. And I received recognition from God. And so my word tonight is do not put more value on the recognition of men than you place on the recognition of God. Where is that in your life? Where have you placed it? What is that placement at? Because if you put something in the place of recognition, you have to understand that God's recognition is more powerful than man's recognition. That God, you see this and you take good notes. And the church said, Amen. Would you stand with me tonight? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.